Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss. And this is a special episode because as you can see, we're actually in the same room. Holy smokes, (laughs) I can actually touch Arliss today. (laughs) We're so excited. And we have an incredible guest with us. My path to success began in New Orleans when I was kicked out of high school at barely 18 without much of a plan. But bringing the spirit of NOLA with me and a passion for fun and adventure, I relocated to San Francisco and jumped into the high-tech world. The money was great, but my entrepreneurial spirit was driven for more. Balance, health, connection, and results. Inspired to go into the healing arts, I completed my training in bodywork and started my own results-driven spa in Symmetry Spa at age 29. What started off? As a dream led to over 20 years and counting of facilitating health and wealth and healing while enjoying every moment of life, eager to share and support others. I opened Combs Business Consulting, where I work each day to help others find their passion to start and grow their own businesses so that they can lead the life they've always dreamed of, which of course may include visiting my vibrant hometown. I welcome to our amazing podcast, Candace Combs. <laughs> Thank you guys. Woo. Thank you guys. Y'all are hey, we're awesome. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> curious, Candace. You know, one of the questions we ask first of, of our guests is what's part of your body that's been challenging for you to look I would say it's it's funny because it's definitely changed throughout the years, right? Like I would say as a you know, as a teenager, I was I I always had a butt. <laughs> Maybe always had back. <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing?" you know? And as I got older, I realized, "Oh no. Having a butt's not a bad thing." You know, but now in in my uh perimenopause situation, the belly, like I found myself, you know, going, oh wait, I gotta love my belly, you know? And uh yeah, so that right now I would say that is the part of my body that I'm constantly going, all right, wake up and love that belly. <laughs> Bellies are beautiful. Don't buy into that Vogue magazine pretend ideal of what a stick figure I mean a woman should be you know (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and as I hear that from you I it makes me wonder what's an area of your body that is easy for you to love and has that changed for you over the years I mean I would say this funny my breast I've I've always loved my breasts. I was like, oh, they're, they're good. They were never too big. They were never too small. You know what I mean? Like they, I just thought, oh, these don't bother me at all. And I feel like I've constantly, that's been consistent, you know, and, uh, I'm trying to think what else probably my, like my legs, my calves, like I've always felt like, okay, I've had pretty muscular legs and that's been pretty easy for me to love. So those two things are probably have stayed pretty consistent. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've, how do you, like, I know that we've talked a little bit about this before. And it's, for me, that's also the same. I've always been like, I have fabulous breath. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And, like, yeah. We owned it, but I like, 
you know, like if I get into it, like I can see like, oh, one's a little smaller than the other. Like, you know, they're not, you know, yeah. it can be all those sort of feelings that people have. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And mine have definitely throughout the years gotten bigger, you know, and, and, and I've just been like, this is a woman's body. This is how, you know, this is what we go through. And, and I'm, yeah, I'm like you, I'm like, I, yeah, I've, I've always consistently loved them. So, yeah. Breast, my breasts have always been a little bit of a challenge to love because one of my breasts is like a size and a half bigger than the other mm-hmm. one. And mm-hmm. so as I was growing up, trying to figure out how to wear clothes or how to make it not so obvious. Um, and then being self-conscious when I was intimate with people for the first time, like mm-hmm. how are they going to respond? You know, what is that going to be like? Um, and now as I'm older, I really love my breasts. It's something that I've come to feel really comfortable around, but I yeah. know it's been a process for me and I'm sure that it's a process for a lot of other people too. What I love about your take on it, Candice, is that you have loved them through the process of change because our yeah. bodies change as we age, yeah. no matter what, right? Um, and as your breasts have changed, you still love them. Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's funny. I'm going to, my, my poor fiance, I'm going to, I'm a lesbian. So uh, my girlfriend or fiance, she has always had smallish breasts. You know, there's no, that's the thing that drives me crazy, right? There's no right size to this, but she's, you know, that they are an insecure part of her body. And as a partner and your partner is probably, your partners have probably told you the same thing. I don't care. I'm like, they're perfect. They're, there's nothing wrong with them. Like it's, it's a funny thing that I think we put on ourselves, you know, like it's just, well, mostly because of all the images out there, like you should look this way and you should have that. You, you know what I mean? Like, so I just feel like everyone does love breasts because breasts are amazing. So small, big, medium, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't even matter. (laughs) You know, they are just beautiful. So absolutely. And I have to agree, you know, my partner, he says um, that he gets the best of both worlds. You know, he gets a big breast and a small breast all in one. Perfect. I, that's perfect. That's so perfect. And I, and I've been with partners who have had that, you know, small and, you know, one is off, yeah, not off. That sounds terrible. One, one is less big than the other. And uh, it's same thing. I was just like your partner, like, it, that's fine. No one cares. It's all perfect. We care more than the people we're with or it and guess what if they do care then they're jerks and you should dump them so bye <laughs> yeah. 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 i think it's like you know hearing us talk about like that kind of feeling of um, insecurity around our breasts like it really has a lot to do i think with like maybe past rejection or past uh, you know like not feeling accepted or the difference in size or somebody making fun of us or teasing us. Oh yeah. We're going to get to a place where we start to internalize those, those feelings and don't feel comfortable. Cause like, like I said, I feel fairly comfy, but so funny. I would feel so comfortable with like, but I would feel so much less comfortable about my legs. So I'd be like, here are my boobs, but no, you cannot see my legs. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, and like, it was like feeling self-conscious because right. people would comment on it. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I just remembered this when I was a teenager growing up, my friends would make fun of me because I had very perky 
boobs. And so I did have a moment of like, are they too, they feel like they're like missiles. They're just too, it's a funny thing. And you're, and now, you know, later in life, you're like, wait, no, they're supposed to be, you know, or not supposed, you know what I mean? Like what, but, but you're right. Like if people start to sort of talk about things, you start to think in your head, should they be that way? Where really we're all sort of perfect. I'm sure you have amazing legs. She does. She has amazing legs. Right. Wait, can I, we talk about this perky? Yes, they're too perky. <laughs> Wait, teenagers. You can't. Teenagers. <laughs> teenagers. Teen, teenagers literally. And that's too lifted. And right. Right. I know. As I got older, I was like, wow, that is really. Again, it didn't, I didn't in really internal. I mean, I guess I internalized a little bit, but they have always been like one of my favorite parts of my body. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think kids, you know, teenagers just sort of pick out things and that's probably what happened with your legs. Like somebody said something ridiculous and you bought in <laughs> and you have amazing legs. So, cause Arla said. <laughs> so I would love to know from you, Candice, what is one of your favorite self-care tips or practices that you do regularly? And if when you have I, a list, give us a list. Okay. When I, when I feel, you know, I own a spa, I own in symmetry spa. So I, I do have a list of self uh, care practices. We only do deep tissue and sports massage. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're very catered toward people working out. And the reason why I said that is because one of my self-care tips, if I'm feeling like, again, we're going to go back to my belly. If I'm feeling like, oh, I just feel kind of bloated and not as good. I, um, one thing I start to do is I start to do 30 minute, like high impact workouts and I'll do that two or three days a week. And then I'll do yoga on top of that. And the two of those, not like I'll do my three days a week, like high impact. And then I'll do yoga the other uh, part of the week. And I start to feel really strong. And that helps me when I'm in sort of a down time with my body. And the other thing that really helps me immediately is when I get a massage. If I'm feeling really strong and my body's just kind of aching, then I go in and I get a massage. I, I, it's like, I reset immediately, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's, it, uh, that helps me a lot and walking. I love walking. So, uh, those three things are my, are my reset buttons. That's awesome. I also, I getting a massage is a really big one for me. Um, I get a massage probably every couple of weeks. Nice. And it helps so much. It just really, and I think it helps my brain chemistry too. It just, it just resets you. I mean, I, I've owned a spa for over 20 years now. And when you hear your clients say that, like this, I, like you, like, you know, we have clients that some that come in once a week, some that comes in every other, some like you, you know, it's like once a month. And when everybody says the same thing, it's like, wow, I'm just reset. Like, you know, like this is, this sort of put me back together. You know, you start to feel discombobulated out there into the world. And then a massage just centers you and just sends you back. So, yeah. I think it's also like the, like the deep connection with different parts of your body you know, just giving it a little bit of attention because 
so often we just like run our bodies and we don't even really think about all the work that they've done. So I feel like it's a great way too to just honor ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah. So interesting because so many people, you know, as we're talking about massage, they think of it as a luxury. <laughs> so like, I imagine maybe so that you thought that too, Candace, like how, how did you start to sort of shift your mindset towards realizing that some of these self-care practices, they're not a luxury. They're, they're actually a necessity. They're a necessity. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was, um, in the computer world, uh, I guess from 20, 24 to 28, something like that. And I was like surrounded by computers and I was having really intense, horrible TMJ, horrible, like grinding every night. I got one of those uh, guards. I was grinding through the guards. It was nothing was right. And my ex was a, was trained by a rolfer. So she started doing work on my jaw. And, um, and I, then I just started to notice, where's my body at my desk? And then I started doing a ton of yoga. Uh, and through all of that, her working on me doing yoga. And then I started to get regular deep tissue massage, realizing with my TMJ that, oh, it's really coming from my shoulders and my, you know, my, my traps are really tight. And then my scalings get really tight that, and then I went to massage school, but through all of that, like starting to get regular massage, getting this TMJ work done. That's when I was like, oh no, you have to get body work. You know, it is not a luxury. Like for me, it, it is a hundred percent a necessity, especially when you're doing high impact workouts. You know, like I, I don't want to always roll out my IT bands with the foam roller. Like sometimes I'm just really lazy about it. Even though I'm a body worker, I know what I should be doing. I'm like, no, 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 no. Jeffrey, I'll have Jeffrey work on me at the spa and he's definitely going to roll my IT bands out, you know? And, and he, and, you know, and all my body workers who work for me, they all remind me. And I think this is the biggest thing is, you know, you need to stretch your hamstrings more. You need to stretch, you need to roll out those ITs more. You know, they remind me where I'm holding in my body. And so, yeah, I would say run around right around 28, 29, I realized that massage is a thousand percent a necessity. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that is so important is the physical touch that we get, just having our bodies touched by another human um, and having that physical touch is such a sense of, of comfort. And, yes. you know, there are a lot of studies around the science around that and the release of, um, oh, well, now it's the... Um, no, it's not dopamine or serotonin. It's the one that um, is released by mothers when they're breastfeeding. Oh God, I'm not gonna. Anyway, I'm having an interesting brain day today. But there's a there's a release of a hormone when we okay. are physical touch, and it can happen when we have 20 second or longer hugs. That really, really helps our brain chemistry and helps our body oh. feel better, and it also so helps us feel less anxiety, less depression, and feel more comfort in our lives. Yeah, I, and when I, I will think about, you know, <laughs> yeah, ahead, I, I, I will say this during the pandemic, you know, we were shut down for uh, too long, just way too long, right? And um, 
our clients were begging. I mean, begging. They were like, what can you do? Can we safely do this? I mean, I had people offering me all the money in the world. And it was mostly because of what you just said, Arliss. It was about touch. And people were like, just craving it. And the second we could open our doors again, and I always knew it was a necessity, right? At 29 years old, I realized this is a necessity. But I have to say, at fifth, you know, during 2020, at 49, almost 50, it all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, this is a million percent a necessity because people just craved it the second we could open our doors slammed and just people crying, you know, so it's exactly what you said, Arliss, like people were really, whatever that release is, people were just craving it. So, yeah. yeah. I think that one of the things that the pandemic really highlighted is that we have a very isolated society when we don't have things like being able to get a massage or be able to go to a movie theater, being able to get out and do things with other people. A a large amount of our society are single people living on their own. Um, And so when the lockdowns were in place, it was, it was very hard for those individuals because they had no outside um, interaction and they had no physical touch from the outside world. Um, Mm -hmm under anxiety and depression went through the roof you know you think about humans um in like the animal evolutionary context we need physical touch by other people in order Mm -hmm. to literally be sane in our brains Mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty it was pretty that was i think just the worst part of the pandemic you know outside of like not being able to make money, anything. Like, I think that was just a hundred percent. The worst part is the non-touch it was horrible because I'm a hugger. I'm a body worker. So I'm a hugger. I, you know, I hug everybody. <laughs> so that, that was tough. Yeah. Well, Arliss, when did you realize, yeah. uh, when did you realize massage that. was yeah a necessity? So, um, so I grew up with parents that were getting weekly massages from the, from when I was really young, I was, I remember being like five or six years old. Um, and my mom would take me to her massage appointments and I would sit underneath the massage table and like color on coloring books and things like that. I um, and like, I grew up with it just being a norm. Like I didn't know that it was like a luxury or even something that some people never experience because I, yeah. you know, I grew up around it all the time. And I don't remember how old I was when I got my first massage. Like I was, wow. up, I don't remember That's... my massage. Um, I was getting massages fairly regularly, like at least um, a few times a year by the time I was like nine or 10. Yeah. And, and it's a really good thing that I was because I was later diagnosed with a rare genetic condition called Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, um, which is um, a genetic condition where I my joints are hyperflexible. And so throughout my, from the age of 10 on, I was um, subluxing and dislocating on a pretty regular mm. basis. And massage therapy really helped keep my joints in place. Now, I didn't yeah. know that's going on all I knew is that I had chronic pain starting at age 10 and when I got massages it really helped 
um, to reduce the amount of pain that I was in. And, and so that's when I knew that it was something that I needed to be doing in my life because it reduced Mm -hmm. the amount of pain that I was in so much. And Mm -hmm. then when I got diagnosed at the age of 28, that's when I knew for sure that it was something I needed to be doing as a regular, on a regular basis for maintenance. Uh, So the only, like my ligaments and tendons do not keep my joints in place because they are so flexible. The only things that keep my joints in place are my muscles. And so as you can imagine, um, like my muscles get worked like far more than other people's muscles just doing more. Right. And so, um, and so my muscles can easily spasm because of that. And then if they spasm, they can actually pull a joint out of place. Right. Yes. But if I get regular massages, that is much less likely to happen. That's so great. Wow. That's really great. Good on your parents. That is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I love that because like both of you have such different experiences of massage than I do. Like Carlos, like learning it from a young age and then uh, Candace, like getting it, not just like from for yourself, but like because of the work that you were doing, you know, in body work. Mm-hmm. Uh, say that for me, like massages were not a regular part of my life. So they were something that like felt like something I only did on vacation or was a treat or was something that like, you know, was a, some kind of special occasion kind of thing instead of mm-hmm. something that felt regular. And it wasn't until I was probably in my mid thirties that I was like, no, I'm going to make this a priority for myself because I I want it to be a priority for myself. So I came from a completely different kind of background where I never saw, like I didn't see my parents get massages all the time. Like mm-hmm. I came from that, that mindset of like, no, this is like, that's superfluous. Like that's something that like rich people do, mm-hmm. not something that's really so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting yeah. is that, I almost never get massage on vacation because yeah. I am so specific about who I go to and I'm so careful because I don't want to end up getting hurt because I could get hurt by somebody massaging yeah. yeah. me, not in even more so than a normal person because they could move something out of joint or they could put my arm the wrong way or, or whatever. And so I'm very careful. So I very rarely get massaged when I'm on vacation. Me too. I, I'm right there with Arliss. Because <laughs> I just don't trust it when you go to regular, you want to find a place like mine, you know, and it's funny in, if I do need a massage in Hawaii, because I've, I've spent a lot of time on a lot of the islands, I look up I will, yeah, I'll put it on Facebook and go, who knows a good body worker? I'll never, ever, ever go to one of the hotels because it's a crapshoot, right? Every blue moon, you can find an amazing body worker, but it's a crapshoot. So I find through just through channels, like who do you, like I would, someone like Arliss, I would call you and go, who do you see? Because I know you know body work. So, yeah. Yeah. So tell us about your spa. Like where is it located? And if people are interested and finding it when they're in that location, how do they do that? So we're located in San Francisco. Uh, we've been there for, oh my God, 21 years. It's crazy. Um, we are in the Mission District. So we're on Florida Street between 18th and 19th. Uh, we only do 
deep tissue in uh, sports massage. We also have facials, microderm, um, peels and all of that. But body work wise, we're catered to someone like you, Arliss, like me, you know, probably like Diana now that she knows body work. And then Hawaii has amazing body workers. My God. Um, uh, yeah. And so one of the reasons I, I opened it was because of my TMJ. I was having such a terrible time with TMJ. And when I went to uh, massage school, I was trained by my ex who I was trained in structural body work. So I never did Swedish or anything, which is kind of bad because every blue moon I'll have an older, you know, much, much older client who actually needs Swedish. And I'm like, I am not your person because I don't know how to be very gentle at all. You know, um, so, so yeah, so that's how people can find us. It's in Symmetry Spa. Uh, and if they're in San Francisco, look us up. And, and if they like good body work, you know, definitely we're your place if you're in San Francisco. So, and do you have a website? Yeah, in symmetryspa.com. We have a website, we have all the social, we have Instagram, Facebook. Twitter, we have all the things. So uh insymmetryspa.com uh or you can find us on all the social channels. So love that. So this is totally off topic, but uh when I lived in San Francisco, my husband uh, operated a restaurant that was on 18th Street, but it was in a mission. So we'll have to talk about that separately offline. Um, yeah, I want to know what it was called. I lived I lived on uh 18th between Dolores and Guerrero for, I'm sorry. Yeah. Between Dolores and Guerrero for like almost eight years. So I can't wait to hear what restaurant it was. <laughs> and being, being from New Orleans, I am a bit of a foodie, which when I, when I lived in, uh, uh, on Oahu, I lived in Waikiki in a furnished studio and man, the food on Oahu was amazing. So. Awesome. Yeah. So we all experience those times when we feel disconnected from our body and maybe some old negative patterns come up around self-talk or things like that. When that happens for you, how do you reconnect with your body in a positive way? Oh my God. I just went through this. It's really, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because I had a rough, it was rough. Like I will say we don't talk I'm going to, you know, go into menopause right now. We don't talk enough about menopause because no one, I don't know why. I mean, I guess the world's ruled by men. So nobody wants to, you know, men don't want to talk about it. But when I, you know, having a pandemic, being in perimenopause, uh, and then I, I was doing, I was working out a lot and I ended up actually giving myself tennis elbow from doing a lot of weights and doing a lot of yoga. and because of pandemic, not getting body work. (laughs) And that was, I own a spa, but what I was doing was I was actually, when we reopened, I worked my butt off. I was working on so many clients and I, then I was doing high impact workouts and I was doing a ton of yoga, not getting any body work. I don't, I really, you know, COVID sort of threw all of us since, cause I never would have done that. You know, I know better than that but I had kind of forgotten. And I had to give my arms almost a five month rest. And my body 
really like, cause you're in menopause, you gain weight really easy and it's really hard to lose it. And all of a sudden, and I'm not a bread eater. Like I try to, you know, stay away from grains and, um, cause just cause it doesn't make me feel good really. But, uh, my body, all of a sudden I wanted to, I want to eat bread and I want to go eat this sugar. Cause I'm not a big sugar eater either. And, um, I went into almost a depression and the way I reset it, it, it was hard this time. It's probably the hardest time I've ever had of, of resetting. Uh, but the way I reset it was, I just reminded myself, you gotta start working out. You gotta get on that mat. You know, you, you have to turn on, you know, your, cause I do Peloton yoga and then I do beach body for hit workouts. You, you just got to do it. you got to wake up one morning and you have to do it. And, um, and through therapy, talking it through, talking to a lot of friends, telling people how I was feeling, getting on Wellbutrin. Thank you, God, you know, for that. All of a sudden the clouds cleared and I started working out again. And I feel fantastic. I hear, I, you know, I'm, I'm at home right now. I'm actually in New Orleans because my dad, um, is having some health issues. And so I'm home with he and my mom right now. And, uh, you know, I can't do my regular workouts. My dad's got, he's beginning stages of dementia. So he gets confused, but I can do, I can hundred percent do a good 15 minute little, you know, good workout. And this morning I did that and he was cute. He watched it. What are you doing now? He was really cute, you know? And I just noticed just doing five sun salutations, you know, uh, sometimes doing some burpees, um, uh, doing some planks, all of a sudden I'm reset. So that's what I would say, you know, this time around, I did have to use any, you know, antidepressants cause it wasn't, I think with the perimenopause, there was just no coming out of those clouds without it. Um, but also the, uh, uh, you know, being able to work out is the key. And then I started, thank you, God. I reminded myself to start getting regular massage and, uh, and facials too. I have to say facials really help me. I love facials. <laughs> so that that's my reset button. So. I love that you mentioned facials because as you guys were talking about massages, like I love facial massage. Like that's my favorite. Do, do you do any facial massage? <laughs> I just love facial massage. Like, and I'll do it now. It's my husband. So I'll like, I'll massage his cheeks and his jawbone. So when you were talking about the TMJ, I yeah. know what you're talking about. I've been there. Um, and I, I used to grind my teeth really, really badly. And now I'm at a point because I've managed a lot of my stress where I don't grind my teeth at all. Which is huge. You, you know how that is. Cause it's like, you're not in yeah. when you're asleep. Um, in terms of like what you're doing. So every now and then, you know, like when we have a, when we have an event coming up or something like that, I might grind my teeth a little, um, mm-hmm. but it's not like it used to be where it was an every night. Like, I know what you're talking about too, with like grinding through the, through the thing that's supposed to help you not grind your teeth. You're like, I'm going to grind through you too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, going back to, you know, this pandemic we've all been living through. Uh, I, when I, when I went to school, for massage, when I came out of school, I started training with uh, rolfers and structural body workers, and I learned TMJ release. And the pandemic, can I? Everyone had TMJ. 
that's what threw my arm. I was doing so much TMJ and you're right. And most people, Diana, don't, don't know what you, what you just said. Like I tell everyone that I'm like, you have to lower your stress, but in the pandemic, cause people were home with their kids constantly. They were getting zero time between work and kids, no time off at all. And they're just going to bed, just grinding, grinding, grinding. And the dentist is doing the right thing, right? They're there to save your teeth. They don't know anything else. They're like, here, that'll save your teeth. But you're, yeah, you have to release those, those muscles and doing face massage is like right here is just key. Yeah. Yeah. So I have that, but my husband doesn't. And since I'm used to massaging myself, I'll be like, oh yeah, like you're going to love uh-huh. it. I mean, and he's like, I don't feel it. <laughs> Because <laughs> he doesn't have TMJ. You're like, yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I'll be like, oh yeah, you're going to love this. And he's like, you're not doing anything for me, honey. <laughs> that's cute. I love yeah, that. that's cute. That's really cute. Yeah, getting your scalings. These are your scalings right here and really moving your head around with those really, that really helps release it too. Yeah, it was, it was a big thing. And it still is. Like I, I'm, I get pretty, there's weeks I get packed with just, I only see about two clients a day for 30 minute sessions now. Cause it's, I'm, I'm going to be 51. So, you know, my body, I have to be careful with my body. Um, but I can have a packed week with just all TMJ from, from just the stress, you know, and it's, it's good, you know, and I tell people do not chew gum, stop chewing gum. <laughs> That's not helping anything. So. <laughs> love that you brought up the topic of menopause and perimenopause. So I, you know, I'm in one of those unique situations where I had to do medically induced menopause when I was, I'm trying to think of how old I was. I was 32. Um, and so I went through medically induced menopause, which is, it basically cuts the hormones off completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was horrific. It was mm-hmm. horrific. I mean, it was just, the mood swings and how out of control I felt around my emotions or, um, and how dark things got for me and how much I felt like there was never going to be light again. Oh my God. Um, Amen. And how I felt like there was nobody there to help me either. Um, um, like I couldn't, nobody else around me felt like they understood um, what was going on. Um, and it's like, it's almost unbelievable to individuals who haven't experienced yes, it. It, right? it is. And you and I have um, talked about that. It, it, it is unbelievable if you haven't experienced it because, and again, like my mom just came in, I adore her, but, uh, you could have warned me. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I, well, like so both of you have experienced this and I think you're right Candace like I've never really heard people talk about menopause and I think you're right like you know I mean when we look at it from the idea of like well why would men have any interest in that I can see why there's no discussion of it from that perspective but like like what what is that like like because I'm hearing both of you say you know there's there can be this darkness that you go into and this like loss of your uh, of like control of your body or different things in, in different ways. Can you share a little bit more with our listeners who may be clueless like me? <laughs> yeah. Well, Arliss and I do. It's funny because we we both work with my creative director, who uh, uh, Alicia, who we're both friends with. 
And we actually, it was funny because Arliss and I were on the phone with and talking about menopause and perimenopause. And Alicia was just like you, like, wait, guys, tell me more. What is happening? And and you're right. It's not talked about enough. So what I would say is when it starts to happen, you and, you know, Arliss, jump in, you know, if you feel like you need to. But uh, you don't know what's happening. Like nobody warns you. You know, like all of a sudden your emotions are so big. It's, it's, there is this, you know, here we are at 13 years old and we all talk about what, what that, you know, 12, 13, your, your preteens and and going into puberty. We all talk about that. And you're like, oh no, that's just puberty. That's your emotions. Well, guess what? The end of puberty is also very emotional and not enough is spoken about that. Right. And, um, you can rage. You can be a terrible human. Like I would rage sometimes be like, what is wrong with me? I'm not, what is happening? You know, you don't feel like yourself. What Arla said, like, you don't feel like the clouds will ever disappear. Like you feel like this is it. I'm gonna live like this forever. (laughs) Um, I guess I'll never feel joy ever again. And that, and when you start to feel that way, what you have to do is call your doctor and you have to say, because once I told my doctor that she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that happens. I'm like, so let's talk about this. You could have warned me, you know, like it, that would have been a good thing to sort of tell me. So if you feel yourself, you know, if you're if you're around, it really depends on where your mom sort of went into menopause. So asking your mom, first of all, when did you start menopause? You know, unless you're in Arliss's case, which is medically induced, which I've had other friends who have had to do that also. Um, but, you know, asking your mom went, went sort of around what time, you know, my mom was around, 50, you know, 51, 52. I started at around 47. So right in that window, uh, if you feel yourself somewhere between 40, my, my partner, my fiance uh, started around 45. So, um, you know, if you feel yourself where moods are just shifting, you don't feel like yourself at all. That's that moment that, you know, start talking about it, you know, cause I wish I would have talked about it more because people don't warn you. I'm here to warn everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> we, I've got your back when you're, when you're going through it, I've got you. <laughs> I feel very supportive. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing for me is that I had such high highs and low lows. Like I literally could go from a place of feeling like everything was amazing to like, like you said, like raging or being completely depressed and devastating to where I'm like hysterical. Um, and I'm a typically very calm, even keeled person. Yeah. And my emotions were just all over the place. And like just seeing the surprise and shock of the people around me as, as to how I was reacting to different things. Um, cause obviously I was scaring the heck out of them. And <laughs> I think that that also clued me into like, Hey, this isn't how I normally am. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think that talking to a doctor is really important and asking like what kind of support is out there. Cause there is hormone replacement. Like there's herbal yeah. hormone replacement, pharmaceutical hormone replacement. Yeah. There are, um, you know, herbal or supplemental mood stabilizers. Mm. Um, 
Um, and there are also, um, you know, pharmaceuticals that help with depression or anxiety or things like that. And like just really talking through the gamut about what works for each individual person, because it's going to be different. It's not going to be the same for every person that goes through menopause. A thousand percent. And I was, you know, I'm, I'm a body worker. I have a hippie background. You know, I, I don't drink. I eat organic, you know, like all these things. Right. And so for me, the thought of getting on pharmaceuticals was like, eh, I don't know. And so I put it off for re- like too long, I would say. And the second I got on them, because I did try to, I took a lot of herb. I did all, you know, I did a lot of stuff and it just wasn't, again, you know, everybody's different is wasn't really working. So the second I got on some stabilizers, mood stabilizers, the SRI, oh my God, that was just a shift that was beyond anything. So it does, like Arla said, it depends on you and you might have to try a bunch of different stuff. And, um, but yeah, talking to your doctor and your therapists and your friends, people older, you know, older people have gone through it. You know, I'm not old, but you know, (laughs) yeah, no, I think for enlightening me, I think it's an important conversation. Yeah. I'm glad we had it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, our, our last question for you, Candace, would be, um, where have you felt like maybe challenged by societal norms or societal expectations and how have you broken through those? This is a great question because as a queer woman, you know, who presents masculine, um, like I think, you know, I, I've been called butch, masculine of center, however, I mean, where do I start with societal norms? <laughs> Like here I am with my mom. And again, I adore her, but she's like, I hate those jeans. I hate that shirt. What are you doing? You know, it's a constant, like, why do you wear men's clothes? This is who I am, you know? And um, so I've pretty much fought my whole life for societal norms. Cause for me, I felt like my teenage years were really, uh, it, it was all about conforming, right? It was, no, I really wanted those black boots over there. And everybody was going, you can't wear those black boots. <laughs> so I, I gave in, you know, I'm not going to wear those black boots. And it was also a part of like being queer and going, I don't want anybody to know, you know, there's so much in there. And um, so it, as I got older, I got more and more obviously comfortable with myself and then hearing people's stories, you know, that's really helpful too. And, um, because there's other people who have my story. So societal norms are, excuse my French are bullshit. And I don't know who came up with all that. And I'm not buying into any of them. Cause if you want, if you're, you know, if you're a male and you want to put on a dress, you go for it. <laughs> you know, if you're a woman and you want to wear a tux, like I do go girl, you know, like, I, I just think, I, who made up those norms? And when you really start to think about it and break it down and listen to great podcasts about it, like I will say, um, uh, uh, the Glennon Doyle podcast, we can do hard things. Holy God. Like Abby is, I mean, every time she, I'm like, Oh, yep. I've been there. Abby. Yep. That's, you know, cause she's like me presents more masculine. So, um, so yeah, I've had to deal with that my whole life. And, you know, and there's still, I still have moments of it. Like I'm okay. This is who I am and I'm okay. You know, I don't want to start compartmentalizing 
again and and buy into these norms that I don't know who came up with, but you you can buy in all you want, but I'm not buying in. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for asking it. It's an imp- definitely an important question. Well, and I think that one of the things that I love that you kind of bring up is there's a whole spectrum. There's a whole spectrum of what people are comfortable wearing or not wearing, depending on how they identify as far as their gender or not, you know, like, and one thing that's really interesting about Diana and I is I think that we're on, on like the opposite sides of the spectrum as far as like being super girly or not. So like, yeah. I am a hundred more ridiculously girly than Diana is, which is, um, yeah right now anyway. And there were times in our life where that probably would have been flipped. So it's interesting. I think I've always yeah. been male dominant because I was a girl who wanted to join the football team, you know, like whatever. It was almost as if like, kind of like, as I'm hearing you, Candace, like whatever somebody told me, that's what girls do. I was like, what are the boys doing? Exactly. Yeah. They doing like, I want to yeah. do some yeah. of that. And I don't know why, um, but I, I just always was kind of like that. And now I like, what's funny is my body is very feminine in shape and like all that. So like they're, they're like, I'll dress very, I would say I don't dress like in frilly stuff, but I do wear like form fitting. So it's like, I'm not, I'm girly, but I'm like girly in my way. Kind of thing. Yeah. I, I love that. I love that. Cause I find myself sometimes like, you know, in, wearing form fitting stuff and feeling really good about it. Like the thing I love about the millennials and then the, whatever this next generation is coming is they're not going to grow up with that same BS of like, this is what you should be. No, there's no blue, yellow. There are all the colors <laughs> and we can do all the things, you know, we can be feminine. Sometimes we can be not feminine sometimes, and it's all fine and beautiful and yeah, I think, you know, again, just don't buy in, you know, don't, I don't buy magazines for a reason. I don't want to look at all that stuff. I don't know. I don't need to see it, you know? So. Yeah. Well, I would love to know from you, Candace, if you had a closing thought to leave our listeners with, what would it be for today's podcast? Oh, wow. Uh, love yourself listen to yourself, uh, be okay with yourself, talk to people. You know, that's a, that's a lot of closing thoughts, but I feel like, you know, talking to people brings you so much insight, you know? And I just think, and, and loving yourself, try as much as you can. Like, wait, I wake up in the morning. I love myself. I love myself. And then throughout the day, I just try to all day tell myself that because loving yourself is the is the first step is really the first step towards everything. You can't, you can't do anything without just loving yourself. So but that's my closing thought. I love that. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> well, thank y'all so much. This is wonderful. I love this. I could go on and on. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being an incredible guest on our podcast. We just think you're fabulous and we would Aww. love to speak at one of our upcoming events. Okay. Yeah. Done guys. So yeah, but definitely in the future, a hundred percent. Yay. Awesome. So we're, we'll have that uh, planned and that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Candace, for joining us. And Thanks, that y'all. is the end of our podcast for you. We'll see you all again next week. Bye.